You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. This morning we have a guest speaker. He is on our elder advisory board, AJ. AJ and his wife, Crystal, have six kids. And I, I went up to him and asked him this morning, I was like, you have, you have three kids, right? He's like, no, we have six. And I, I, as, a, as a recent parent of one child, those of you that have multiple children, you are our heroes. We, we look up to you and think, man, how <laughs> could good. that be done? How could that be done? Uh, AJ and Crystal have been here in Florida for about two years. You guys moved all the way from California, all the way to Florida. That's right. And we're really lucky to have you here. And Thanks. we're excited to hear from the Lord this morning. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good morning. So, as he said, my name is A.J. Hamilton. I get to be on the advisory team here at Fort Myers Community Church, along with Ed McCauley and Steve Martin, serving Pastor Bill Vecchio, who is taking just a little bit more time away with his family this week. Uh, We are in a series on the Psalms called Unsearchable. Our anchor text, Psalm 145, 1 through 3, says, I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. It is a glory of a king to search out the mysteries of the Lord. And when I think of a royal leader, a king or queen, I think of wisdom and insight and power and responsibility. I think of Moses, who was a prince and sat under the wise teachers of his day. I think of Solomon, the wisest man on earth, except for Jesus. I think of the queen of Sheba, who sought Solomon out to hear about his wisdom. And if it's a a glory for them to search out the depths of the Lord, then imagine what glory it is for us to search these things out. The beauty of these unsearchable things is that they are like the mysteries of the faith Paul talks about, mysteries that have been revealed. Today we are looking at Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to open your word. Thank you for the beautiful Psalms, specifically Psalm 100, Lord. Um, I pray that it would be encouraging to us. I pray for uh, the many pastors that are uh, opening up the pulpits today. I pray that you would give them wisdom and insight and clarity. I pray for your spirit to convict in righteousness and in sin and in judgment and, and move across us as a people. And be with us as we sit under this beautiful Psalm. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I often sit down with people that have difficulty talking with the Lord. And and it could look like this. A a while back, I was sitting down with an older woman, a volunteer, to count the money that had come in that Sunday. Uh, She's a faithful volunteer, she's kind, she's gracious. And I asked her if she would like to pray for us before we start, and she says, okay. 
So we both bow our heads, and I wait for her to begin, and I wait, and I wait some more, and then I kind of like look up a little bit, see what's going on, what did I miss, and I said, oh, I'm sorry, I meant, I meant pray out loud so like I can participate too, and she very sweetly but definitively said, I don't pray in front of people. Or it can look like this. A young woman was deeply hurt by leaders in the church, drama, and trauma abounded in her situation. And her walk with the Lord and connection to his people diminished over time. Uh, my wife and I got to sit down with her recently and started talking through her situation and, and her past. And as I would anybody, I encouraged her to pray. And she very quietly but definitively said, I don't pray anymore. And sometimes folks are self-conscious that someone else would hear their intimate words to God but more often than not, they're fearful to approach the Lord in prayer. They don't know what to say. They don't know how to say it. And instead of running to their heavenly father, they shrink back in fear that they might offend him with their needs. So in the end, prayer is something they do furtively and individually, if at all. So what are the Psalms? The Psalms are songs and prayers given to us to help us talk to the Lord to give word and melody to our concerns and needs and gratitude and worship, to connect with people that have come before us that share remarkably similar issues in their life as ours, and to connect us with the Lord Jesus who fulfilled these psalms and often quoted them himself and was intimately connected to these psalms. You wanna know a cool trick with the psalms? If you're ever looking for something to read in the Bible, uh, maybe you're avoiding your reading plan because you got stuck in Leviticus back in March Maybe you're in one of those long genealogies. And, um, but try this. My mom taught this to me. Find the day of the month and read that day's psalm and proverb. Today is the, the ninth. You could open your Bible to ninth, Proverbs 9, Psalms 9, and over the course, course of a month, you'll read 30 psalms and the entire book of Proverbs. The repetition and the reminders, it's super healthy and helpful. And then you can jump back into Leviticus. The long lobe of the liver, that is like the classic line in Leviticus. I don't know what it means, but it's there the whole time. Uh, the Psalms can also serve us with outside perspective and encouragement for any of life's travails. If you're looking for a song to sing, honoring the Lord for being good and upright, try Psalm 25. If you're desperately overwhelmed and feel like life is an ocean and you're barely above the waterline, try Psalm 69. If you find that tears are your only food, and your soul is cast down, try Psalm 42. Bits of each of these have been put to incredible music by a variety of musicians, and I add them to my worship playlist whenever I find them. If you feel like the enemy, Satan and demons, are harassing you and God feels far away, my go-to is Psalm 18. The Psalms can also be prayed when you don't have the words. When you want to feel thankful, but you're not. When you want to praise, but you can't. Pray the Psalms. And I mean, literally, make them your words to the Lord. It isn't plagiarism. It's like a Hallmark card that somebody else wrote, but you believe. Or a love song that somebody else wrote that you feel. That is the Psalms and what I encouraged those two women and you to embrace and use. So what is this psalm? What is Psalm 100? It's a psalm for giving thanks. You know how I know that? I think it says it right at the top underneath the big numbers. But how do we do this? 
we do it with a posture of singing, humility, and acknowledgement toward our God. This psalm models thanksgiving with a posture of singing, humility, and acknowledgement toward our God. So let's look at it. Verses 1 through 2. Psalmist says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Give thanks to the Lord with a posture of singing. Some of you keyed in on that verse where it said noise, and others of you on singing. And if you're like me, then this is kind of like the life verse for the tone deaf. The requirement for bringing praise and thanks to God is joyful noise. That's the standard. That some of you can do this on key, that just means you should sing louder than me and you should probably join the choir. The Lord is looking for our participation. He is not looking for our perfection. And the audience participation that's expected, the whole earth. And if the whole earth is expected to thank the Lord, then how much more so this congregation? Because the only instrument I can play is a playlist, Singing is really hard for me, especially in public places. But I try to participate. I try to connect with the words of the songs. Uh, some songs are boring, but the words are powerful. Some songs are hard to sing. Others slap, like How Great Thou Art. That one's a winner every single time. Uh, either way, I'm instructed, we are instructed, to make a joyful noise, emphasis on noise. And if we could open the doors to this building, we can't because the sun hates us and it's been trying to cook us the minute we arrived in Florida. But if we could open the doors and let the neighborhood hear our noise, our thanks, our singing, it would be hard to miss. Singing and noise are demonstrable. They're hard to miss. My teenagers are always singing. Showers, chores, car drives, doing the dishes, it's hard to miss. And our thankfulness should also be hard to miss. And one way to do that is to say it out loud. Say it out loud. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Sometimes even our own speaking increases our own faith as the words from our mouth hit our ears th through our brains and heart and encourage us. Have you ever been in a place where you can't see a reason for gratitude, let alone express it in front of God or others? I have a buddy at work. Uh, he suddenly needed spinal surgery. One day he was fine, and the next he was in agony and laid up in the hospital. I checked in after his surgery. He said he was struggling through recovery, uh, but he was only experiencing about 10% of the pain he had previously. But I could sense he wasn't happy about the surgery. It was more than just the recovery and being cut open and having parts of his body and spine replaced. It seemed it was about whether he should have gotten the surgery in the first place? Was there another way he could have gone through this without all the trouble of recovery and could he have dealt with this agonizing and debilitating pain some other way? And me listening to this, I'm outside of the situation and I saw things differently than him. I said, uh, I said enthusiastically, I I'm no doctor, but doesn't this mean you needed the surgery? If you're going from 100% pain down to 10%, that's like a reverse tide, that sounds excellent. Seems like you needed that. And hearing that encouragement and that outside perspective said aloud, he realized it was true, 
And his faith was increased through hearing. His gratitude to the Lord was increased as, oh, you did bring me relief through this surgery. Thank you, Lord. This psalm shows us how to give thanks with our posture of singing. It also shows us a posture of humility and obedience. Verse 3. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Give thanks to the Lord with a posture of humility and obedience. Know that the Lord is God. The writer of this psalm, the psalmist, he's, it's not, he's not making a scientific plea. The psalmist is making an appeal to creation. The writer didn't have access to the scientific knowledge that we have, but that doesn't make him or her an idiot. This person had access to the same five senses that we do, could look out on the same incredible landscape and peer into the design and details of a tree leaf or the heavens and recognize someone made us. And this sounds like Romans chapter 1, 19 through 20. The writer of Romans, the Apostle Paul writes, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. He's talking about all of us. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. A thousand years after the psalmist, Paul wrote those words on the screen. And if you've ever read Paul's letters, majority of the books of the New Testament, you know that dude wasn't an idiot either. He's a deep thinker, that Paul. And he says that God is clearly perceived when we simply look at what has been made. And the psalmist is also making an appeal to nature. Mark Cook elaborated on the intelligence and vulnerability of sheep a few weeks ago. And the psalmist recognized the similarities between a sheep's nature and every human's nature. And just like in Psalm 23, we have this beautiful picture in this verse of us gathered together in a flock and a good shepherd watching over us keeping us, laying claim to us as his. Jesus is our good shepherd. We are his flock, his gathering, his church. He has graciously and undeservedly gathered those of us that wandered from the fold, from the Father, through our sins, those wanderers, every single one of us that ever has been, that ever will be. And the psalmist also declares that we were made by God. We are also kept by God. Being the sheep of his pasture is declaring ownership and deep cherishing. Because we're so intimately known, it's a right response to embrace a posture of humility and obedience and recognize his work in making us, saving us, and keeping us. And thank him. Some of us struggle here. We struggle to be thankful because we are not humble. When God gives us good things, it's easy for us to think we deserved it, especially if we compare ourselves to others. We can always edge up to the top of that curve if we're looking at other people, right? We can be very judgmental of others, uh, but towards ourselves we can be very merciful. And so it just always puts us at the top of the curve. We see what we have accomplished or amassed and we think we did it. Sure, we might have worked hard, we might have been diligent, but let's not forget who gave us the breath in our lungs, 
chose the place and times that we would live, picked our last names. He made us. And some of us struggle because we can't imagine why God would make us his. We recognize his might. We recognize his perfection, maybe even his sacrifice on the cross for us sinners. But we've said and done terrible things, and we know it. And we should have said and done things that we didn't, and it haunts us. No one, or or maybe two, you can't do the math that allows for a deep sinner to be made God's people, his flock. But just know, no one that thanks the Lord from a posture of humility and obedience does it because they deserve it. We do it because our blind eyes were opened and we can take a posture of acknowledgement that Jesus is Lord. And so we can, verse four and five, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. We can give thanks to him. We can bless his name. Why? The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Here we can give thanks to the Lord with a posture of acknowledgement. Thanksgiving, praising, blessing, acknowledging the truth that he's good and good forever to us and our children because of Jesus. Because of Jesus, we are invited to approach our God, to enter his city, to enter his throne room where he holds court. And we don't have to do this furtively or alone, but as a congregation, a congregation made up of the whole earth, confident in our place in his household. This is like one of my kiddos uh, running into the home to share how awesome their game went or the day they had at work. They know they belong in our home and they approach it with thanks and celebration because they know it's going to be shared between Crystal and I. And because of Jesus, we can give thanks and bless his name. Uh, When I served at a church in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I got to work with Donovan. And Donovan was our music pastor. One day, another leader was praying over a gathered group that I was present at. Donovan was too. I don't remember who was gathered. I don't know what we were doing. But I'll never forget that when this leader ended his prayer, he said, in your name we pray, amen. Classic dismount. He just asked the Lord to help us as we were serving or getting trained, maybe even just for the meal we had eaten or about to eat. Whatever it was, when he ended his prayer, he said, in your name we pray, amen. And he came back to his seat, which was near Dono and me. Dono leans over to this guy and whispers, say the name. The guy says, what? He says, say the name. What? Say the name. Say Jesus. Donovan was wisely encouraging this leader, and by proximity, myself, to bless the name of Jesus, to say his name, say Jesus. It's the name above all names, and at that name, all knees will bow. Paul tells the Philippians in chapter two, he says, therefore God has highly exalted him, talking about Jesus, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is good. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's talk about goodness and forever love and faithfulness. 
our world is a rough place. It's often hard to find good or sometimes even see our God as good. We have wars. We have rumors of wars. Our identities are askew. We are generally divided across some of the strangest lines ever drawn. Right is wrong. Wrong is celebrated. This last week on Wednesday, I was handing out solar lights and flyers to a neighborhood just south of here uh, that uh, was hit really hard by Hurricane Ian. I was doing this on behalf of Better Together, where I work. Uh, You'll find more out about them next week uh, and the incredible work we do through churches like Fort Myers Community Church. But most of the homes in that area, they were hit so hard, homes and apartments were still gutted all of these months later. I met Ishmael as he was cleaning up his yard. Uh, he had seven feet of water in a home with eight feet, eight foot ceilings. He's living behind the house in his RV. He lost his landscaping business when his trailer and all the tools floated away. He's been swindled out of $25,000 by the contractor that swept through the neighborhood, stealing 25 here, 18 there, 13, 12. All of his neighbors. And then after that, I went to Longhorn, where my son works, and met one of his coworkers who was also there, just uh, killing time, because apparently Longhorn is the place to hang out, even when you're not working. Uh, and this kid started sharing a story. I'm, I'm old enough now that everyone's really a kid, and, and thankfully there's a lot of you in the room that think of me as a kid, so it kind of evens out. But this kid was sharing about his time in foster care. And the minute he said it, I just knew this is going to go brutal, and it did. It was brutal, it was degrading what he endured. Uh, he aged out. So I would say he was probably 23, 24 years old. No one had ever adopted him. And a man, uh, the closest thing to a dad for this guy, uh, was dying, and he, he was not a good man. And so the kid was getting drunk and had plans to get high later as he mourned. We listened to his story, we empathized with him. Uh, we tried to speak his language of anguish, so we, we paid his bar tab and left in wonder at how hard his life has been and how, lar- how hard it most likely will be. It's hard to see good in these situations, in these terrible stories, and it's hard not to try and wrap them in a convenient bow by declaring it's all going to work out in the end. There's a real and substantial promise here that the psalmist wants us to lay hold of. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Forever love and faithfulness. The word here is a powerful word that many biblical authors use to describe God's posture and relationship to us. Love, kindness, steadfast love like we see here and we'll see later in our service. Loyalty, goodness, mercy, favor, faithfulness, graciousness. These are all different words that translators have used to describe the steadfast love that endures forever. It's also a joint obligation, but not on equal terms. We trade sin and ingratitude for perfection and sacrifice. That's the deal we make to get this steadfast love that endures forever. And the steadfast love is manifested most clearly in Jesus' sacrifice, his life and death. God coming to earth as a human, living a perfect life, dying a brutal death, not for his friends, for his enemies, us, 
Jesus knows suffering. Jesus knows loss. Jesus knows betrayal. Jesus knows pain. Jesus knows the Father's presence in the midst of these struggles. Jesus knows what it feels like to be cherished and claimed. Jesus knows the forever love and faithfulness of God. Jesus knows the Psalms. In the midst of Ishmael's struggles and the loss the Longhorn kid was describing, in the midst of your struggles and pain, we can lean on the forever love and faithfulness of God. I want everyone to know this enduring and steadfast love. And if you want to grow your faith, do it by hearing as well. Ask anyone you see that opens their homes to strangers, gives to and serves their church, attends a small group and lives in community, reads their Bible or intercedes on behalf of other people. And you'll meet someone who knows the Lord is forever good. Talk to any one of our saints and hear the countless ways that God has forgiven them, taken care of them, patiently corrected them when they were running headlong towards sin and danger, answered their prayers for personal needs and for the needs of others. uh, enlightened them to his amazing characteristics in nature or brought them to worship amidst life's seemingly never-ending difficulties. They do these things not so they would be loved by God, our good God, but out of gratitude, out of thankfulness for his goodness. It's in response. His goodness comes first. Band, why don't you guys come on up? And we'll close with this. This is Psalm 100, a psalm of thanks that shows us how to give thanks with a posture of singing, humility, and acknowledgement toward our God, helps us pray to and talk to our God, gives words to our feelings and fears. If you struggle to talk to God, maybe you love him, you're just afraid, maybe you don't know him, but you want to, either way, please come talk to us after service. I'll be up here somewhere in the front just kind of looking awkwardly at all of you, but there'll be other people out in the room that would love to talk to you. Let's pray. And as I pray, uh, the psalm is going to be behind me, and I'm just going to pray the psalm. Thank you, Lord. Accept our joyful noise to you as we sing. Let our voices join with all the earth. Encourage our hands to serve you with gladness. Bring us into your presence with singing. Confirm in our hearts for the faint of heart that you are the Lord. Confirm in our hearts for those of us prone to arrogance that you are God. Confirm in our hearts that you made us and you made us yours. Lord Jesus, many in this room are yours, your sheep, your people. Bring the rest into the fold. Envelop them with your love so that they too can enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. Thank you, Lord. Bless the name of Jesus. You are good. Your steadfast love endures forever and your faithfulness to all generations. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.